The Florida Panthers became the first team in the NHL to clinch a playoff spot. The Ottawa Senators got back-to-back hat tricks over the weekend from different players. And all hell broke loose after Trevor Zegras of the Anaheim Ducks scored another Michigan-style goal. We've got that controversy and a lot more coming up on this episode of the Locked On NHL Podcast. Your Locked On NHL, your daily podcast on the National Hockey League. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And welcome to the Locked On NHL Podcast. Gil Martin, glad to be with you as I am every Monday. And thank you for making Locked On NHL Your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms. It's my pleasure to welcome back to the show Armando Velez of Locked On Florida Panthers, uh, a man whose team is the first to clinch a playoff berth. Armando, you got to be feeling pretty good about the way the Panthers are doing things these days. Uh, Thank you once again, Gil, for having me on the show. Uh, Once again, uh, to talk about all things Florida Panthers. And yeah, I'm feeling really good. The Florida Panthers just set a franchise record for 48 wins in a season, and Jonathan Huberto setting a uh, single season uh, um, record uh, for points for in a Florida Panthers uh, sweater. So it, it's really good. I'm, and I'm going to say a, a, the opposite of a quote that one of our fellow Locked On hosts uh, say: um, "I love it here." <laughs> Little shout out to Trey. So uh, Trey Matthews, very. You, you got to be loving it. I mean, you clinched the playoff berth Saturday after one heck of a dramatic comeback. Talk about that game and, and how the Panthers pulled this off because they looked dead in the water early on. It really started, um, well, the, of course, the Florida Panthers give up uh, six, six goals in the, in, the, in the first two periods. Uh, Sergey Bobrovsky is not looking his best. And this is coming out after Sergey Bobrovsky gets third star of the month, going 7-0-0 um, in, the, in the month of March. And not, not his best game. The Florida Panthers were just not uh, – they, were, they weren't firing early as they usually do. Um, the, the broadcast was saying that the New Jersey Devils were out-panthering the Panthers. They were saying that because of the – possession differential the shot differential at one point it was 18 to 6 in favor of um, New Jersey at one point and really it started with um, a penalty at the end of the second period by New Jersey that expired so the Florida Panthers were going into that period not only on the power play with a full two minutes going into that period but they also made a goalie change going into Spencer Knight um, with Spencer Knight and um, the Florida Panthers just dominated the third period putting 23 shots on goal in that period alone and not uh, not putting pressure on Spencer Knight going the other way. So really, that's really how it um, it came about. And the Florida Panthers got two goals on six on fives, one with just less than five minutes left. And the very and the very goal that the Florida Panthers scored to tie the game by Alexander Barkov. You want to know who is the one who won the draw late in that on the offensive zone? Claude Giroux. <laughs> What kind of an impact has Giroux had since he arrived? He's had a great impact on, in the locker room, and he's definitely been one that nobody has a bad thing to say about uh, Claude Giroux. He hasn't scored a goal yet, but he's averaging a point per game, seven points in seven games. He's definitely distributing on the offensive end as well. He's on the first power play unit. The thing is with the Florida Panthers, they were trying to ri- um, run a uh, five uh, forward power play unit for the first few games, but ever since the 
the game on Saturday against the New Jersey Devils um, in right on their uh, right in the beginning of the third period that they decide to go back to 4F1D on the on the power play unit um, with Mackenzie Weger up at the point. Of course, with no Aaron Ekblad, it's going to be a little difficult uh, to replace that on the on the man advantage. So uh, Claude Drew is definitely getting his chances, even in the game against the Buffalo Sabres. There was a chance that he had on a double deflection uh, on the most recent um, in their first power play of the game. There was multiple chances right in front of the net. So, but as far as the goal scoring department, I'm not worried about uh, Claude Drew. Um, he's definitely uh, creating opportunities for like big rebounds as well to set up other teammates. And how about Ben Sherratt? How has he been doing, uh, you know, three points in his first six games with the Panthers? What has he been able to do and how is he fitting in? Um, it's been a little bit of a trial and um, trial and error for the coaching staff. At first, they put him with uh, Mackenzie Weger on the top pairing. But then um, Andrew Burnett, who's been on this coaching staff for uh, three years, even though even when he was an assistant now coming in as the interim, he saw how well that Forsling Weger line looked um, for the top pairing um, back in the playoffs last year when Aaron Ekblad went down with that fractured leg. Um, so he decided to go back to that Forsling Weger top pairing and put uh, Ben Schrott with Radko Gudis. So two hard hitting defensemen, uh, too, on the same on the same pairing. They're they're right now on that second pairing. And Ben Schrott uh, scored a goal uh, just the other day for the Florida Panthers um, early on. Um, uh, so he's been he's been a, a great impact and one person who's uh, definitely helped uh, the Panthers when needed to clear the zone and definitely uh, definitely one that the Bill Zito has been uh, raving about ever since he's he's come on for the Florida Panthers. Right now, your team is over 100 points for the season. They've got a pretty comfortable lead, not not locked in yet, but a pretty comfortable lead over Toronto and Tampa Bay for first place. How important is it for this Florida Panthers team to lock up the division title? Extremely important. It's uh, not only the division title, but the Florida Panthers fans, everyone who writes about this team, podcasts about this team, is looking at that wild card uh, as well because the two through four in the Atlantic is just separated by just a few points. So really, if the Florida Panthers don't go on a skid, really the team out um, to watch really is the Carolina Hurricanes and their wins and losses. Because if the Florida Panthers don't go on a skid, they're going to finish the top uh, spot in the Eastern Conference. So now that they have the same amount of games played as the Carolina Hurricanes, there's a four-point differential really in that. So really, my attention is more like on the games of the Carolina Hurricanes right as of right now, unless the Florida Panthers go on a skid. And the thing is, with the Atlantic Division, everyone, all, everyone of the top four teams right now in the Atlantic, everyone plays each other in the next few weeks. So there, so unless one team um, sweeps the other, other two or three, then a lot there's going to be a lot of ups and downs. And I'm looking at that Maple Leafs Tampa Bay Lightning game on Monday night, where they're both tied for points. Uh, at 93 right now so it's it's very important now now i believe it's a nine um point uh differential in the atlantic without looking at looking up the standings right now yes but, so it's it's a it's a big lead for for the panthers um even andrew burnett after the game even they which what i like from andrew burnett of what his comments said is like it's good that that they um clinched the playoff berth but the job is not done they still have to go out um every night 
to to play their game and to play to the best of their ability. Uh, Tuesday, they have a very important game against the Toronto Maple Leafs, who thankfully, for the Florida Panthers' sake, they're on their second end of a back-to-back while the Florida Panthers will have some rest. So uh, don't know who will start in goal for uh, Toronto. But they but it took until uh, March, late March, for the Florida Panthers and the Toronto Maple Leafs to play their first matchup of the season. And the Maple Leafs got the best of the Panthers um, in, in that one. So uh, looking for uh, two more matchups against the Toronto Maple Leafs, and the, it starts all on Tuesday at FLA Live Arena. Should be a good one. What does that comeback on Saturday say about this Florida Panthers team? It just says so much resilience and that they're never out of it uh, for for this team. I mean, they, uh, here's a stat for you, uh, Gil. In, in the last 10 years, since January of 2010, including the playoffs, NHL teams are one 936 and two when trailing by at least four goals entering the third period. And after that, it became two. Those two wins were both by the Panthers. The, the, the first one came in 2019 going into the third period of losing four, nothing against the Boston Bruins and the Florida Panthers ended up uh, winning that one in, in a shootout. That was a Sam Montem Montembeau start at the, at the time. So it just says that this uh, Florida Panthers team is very resilient. And, and let's backtrack a little bit to uh, late November, early December. In the same week, the Florida Panthers were down at home by three goals, once to the Washington Capitals, the other time to the Buffalo Sabres, and they came back both times to, to win it. And also, the Florida Panthers before the All-Star and Olympic break only won one game on the road when their opposition scored first. And that was a shootout win um, on the road against Vancouver. Since the All-Star slash Olympic break, they've done it seven times. So that is a formula for whenever you go on the road in the playoffs, which hopefully the Florida Panthers will have home ice advantage throughout the whole postseason. But it just goes to show that no matter the environment that they go into, that they feel the confidence that they can win in any building in the NHL. You could feel the confidence growing. There's no doubt about that. Armando, why don't you tell our viewers and our listeners where they could find you on social media and where they could find the podcast? They can follow me on Twitter at Monoman12. Follow the show account at LO underscore FLA Panthers. Well, the, and something that I've been doing a lot recently, at least in the last few days, has been uh, – going going live after um after games so um it's been it's been a lot of fun doing it live exactly at well not exactly but a few uh uh min- minutes after after the game so it's, i've been having a lot of fun doing that so come on over and uh join 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 along the ride it's gonna be a fun one all right armando vela is always a pleasure to have you here thanks so much for joining us today thank you so much Gil, as always Today's episode is brought to you by your friends at Built Bar. Have you tried the Puffs? Well, if you haven't, you're missing out on one of Built Bar's best tasting bars. Puffs are the first ever protein infused marshmallow. They're fluffy, they're marshmallowy, they're not just a protein bar, they're a treat. And like all Built Bars, they're covered in 100% real chocolate. Puffs are a fan favorite with incredible flavors like yummy cinnamony churro coconut marshmallow, and my personal favorite, banana cream pie. These are so good, they're going to be your number one favorite. And most Built Bars contain just 130 calories, only 4 grams of sugar, and 4 net carbs, while packing 17 grams of protein. Compare that to a candy bar, which usually has around 240 calories, 30 grams of sugar, and dozens of net carbs. At Built Bar, they're all about the taste, 
They make it taste delicious first, then figure out how to make it healthy. And I don't know how, but they pull it off every time. Go to Built.com and use promo code LOCK15 to get 15% off your order. That's promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at Built.com. And welcome back to the Locked On NHL podcast. Thank you for making Locked On NHL your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms. My pleasure to welcome back to the show a familiar face from Locked On Senators, Ross Levitan. And Ross, your team, it's not been the easiest season, but I think you want to play the Red Wings a little more often. Yeah, certainly. I wouldn't be opposed to that. It was a great weekend. The new additions are fitting in well. I would hazard to say the Ottawa Senators might have the best trade deadline pickup, and they're not even a contending team that was looking to buy. As you look at Matthew Joseph with seven points in two games over the weekend, he's got uh, a really tremendous uh, attitude. He's come in. He's played hard. Like, imagine the mental grind of playing for Tampa, going for a potential three-peat. He was in the pod as a as an extra, didn't get a game in in 2020, played six games in the playoffs of last year, and, and then this year he was really a regular on the team. So the disappointment would be certainly understandable to go to a team who's near the bottom of the standings, but he's come in here and, and done his part and looked real good doing it. So it's certainly been good. It's been an emotional week for Senators fans, of course, starting uh, last Monday with the sudden passing of, of owner Eugene Melnick. They, uh, they certainly didn't play their best, but not their worst in Nashville. They, they fell in that game, but since um, they had their first meetings against Detroit, which is pretty rare to think uh, a divisional opponent. They had one of these games, postpone but to wait till april to play your your first games they've got them three times in 12 days including the two this weekend so uh it's certainly busy times with with the senators and uh yeah i mean it seems like there's just never really a dull day around this team whether it's on ice or off ice there's always a storyline let's talk a little bit about mr melnick's passing i know uh it wasn't easy for senators nation and and for the organization Talk to me a little bit about his impact on the franchise over the years. Yeah, well, it all started in 2003. The Ottawa Senators had been going through a lot of financial troubles with Rob Bryden was their old owner, and uh, they missed paychecks for players. They were in bankruptcy. The only people who wanted to buy them wanted to move them into the States. This was around the time where Nashville was getting a team. There was uh, more Atlanta was um, just new, I think maybe three or four years old at the time and then people hadn't realized that it was going to fail miserably the way it did, but everyone was interested in, you know, bringing hockey a little bit further South. So um, the fact that Eugene Melnick swept in and, and took this team out of bankruptcy and was the only person who was planning to keep it in Ottawa, I think went a long way. Um, certainly it's the only reason why I got to grow up with going to, to see hockey games. The team was so good then too. They were in the middle of 11 straight seasons of making the playoffs that he, uh, the new ownership comes in, and that year they win the President's Trophy for best team in the National Hockey League. Then two years later, they make it to the conference final, and then the year after, they go all the way to the Stanley Cup. So um, final, I should say. <laughs> Niedermeyer, Pronger, Solani, that Anaheim Ducks team was uh, was pretty unbelievable, Jaguar in goal. But um, his legacy really starts and ends there. I think that there's a clear disconnect between the franchise and its fans over the last few years. I think that would have all started in about 2017. Uh, he basically threatened to move the team when uh, everyone was celebrating that um, 100 year anniversary of the NHL. It was in an outdoor event and it just really left everyone with a sour taste in their mouth. So the, it, it's a polarizing figure. But of course, you 
a lot of people wish that he would sell the team. Nobody would ever wish death. He was 62 years old. He had two young daughters who are still in their early 20s, who I guess technically the Sens are owned by two 20-year-old girls right now uh, who are still finishing up their education. One of them's at Queen's University. By all accounts, very bright girls, but um, just interesting. The Board of Governors, it's such like an old boys club. And, and now you have this fresh blood there. Now, we don't know what's going to be the long-term ramifications. I know Eugene Melnick would have wanted this in his family. So I wonder if there's a situation here over the next year or two where uh, they keep a minority share where, okay, it's still a legacy for them as a part owner. But um, for the day-to-day, I think everyone, everything except relocation is up in the air. I think it's pretty clear. Elliot Friedman, Mark, uh, or sorry, Brent Wallace and Ian Mendez, all the people with great sources in and around Ottawa and the NHL. Like, there's a team in Arizona who's playing a 5,000-seat arena. I don't think they're they're in any hurry to move a team out of the national capital of Canada. So I think that anyone who, who wants to bring those rumors, you can put those to bed. But beyond that, there is a lot of uncertainty right now surrounding the off-ice part of the franchise. Yeah, and it's something I'm sure we'll touch base with you in the future to keep tabs on. It's And, and you'll keep tabs on it on your show, obviously, as well. The last two games, uh, hat tricks, both games, both wins over the Detroit Red Wings. Uh, I mean, top to bottom, this team is playing better hockey recently. T- talk to me a little bit about what they've been doing well. Yeah, so I went to the game in Winnipeg uh, last week, and they, they scored four goals in the third period there and came back and got the win over, over a Jets team that at, at that point was still really fighting for for a playoff spot. That hope has probably sailed away a little bit since based on Dallas and Vegas starting to win games and Winnipeg being unable to beat teams like Ottawa, for example. But since since that game, I mean, they're 3-1-1 they're one and one in their last five games. Is that great? No, but for a team that's been at the bottom of the standings, really, after November, they, they were done. They went 1-10-1 in November. COVID swept through the entire team. They weren't scoring goals. Tim Stutzla started the year on a 15-game goal drought. He's now a point-per-game player over the last 15 games. So it was all individual growth that you're looking for down the stretch. And the best player nobody's ever heard of is Josh Norris right now. Mm-hmm. This guy, he's an absolute... Um, stud in the making right now. Number one center just scored three goals tonight uh, to hit 30 on the season. And when you look at how he's scoring these goals, it's it's the Ovechkin spot on the power play, albeit the other side. He's a left-hand shot. He's got uh, 12 goals in 16 games since coming back from, from his, his injury. And even though he missed 15 games, there's only three players in the National Hockey League who have more power play goals than he does. So when you're looking, and he's in a contract year, so cha-ching, I'm sure he's loving that. But, uh, this was a homecoming of sorts to him. He's a Michigan guy, so got to play in Detroit on Friday in front of friends and family, gets a goal there, and then the hat trick tonight was just a, a perfect cherry on top to a great weekend for uh, for the Senators and for their young talent because it, they were robbed with, with a bit of injury. I don't mean from winning more games, but I mean from – Fans getting to see Drake Batherson play his first full NHL season when Aaron Dell threw that greasy shoulder at him in January. He missed 20-plus games. So the top line, which has been such a bright spot with Norris, Kachuk, and Drake Batherson, it's it just kind of got taken away from, from fans there with a couple tough plays ultimately. So uh, to get that back is great, and now it's, it's kind of piecing together what the play is this summer because fans have been very patient. The Ottawa Senators have actually never – missed the playoffs in five straight years in franchise history 
It was only four from inauguration when they had they had ten wins in eighty four games in ninety two ninety three. Gil, uh, <laughs> yeah, so they, they went from that they went from that to a team that made the playoffs four years later. Now it's already been five. Fans aren't ready to wait a sixth year. They need action. Last summer, the big big fish they went out and got was Michael Delzato. They're going to have to aim a little bit higher if they hope to compete this uh, upcoming season because the Atlantic's not getting any worse. Those teams at the top, you have to close the gap up, not expect them to close the gap and fall down towards you. No question. It'll be an interesting offseason in Ottawa, and I know you'll be on top of it every step of the way. Ross, why don't you tell our listeners and our viewers where they can find your podcast and where they can find you on social media? Yeah, well, the beauty of Locked On Network is the local experts on the biggest stories. So you can just type in Locked On Senators on your Google search or on YouTube, wherever you get your podcasts, really. You can find Locked On Senators, just like you can find Locked On Islanders in the same spots. We're on social media at Send Central on Twitter and LockedOn.Senators on Instagram. But that's not too active. Go follow you. Shoot us a follow on Twitter if you want to interact with us at Send Central. But uh, yeah, it's it's been fun. And and how about uh, a little trade deadline acquisition looking good too? So uh, we're going to be covering a lot of the Matthew Joseph fallout and what that can mean going forward. So even though it, it seems like a lost season, there's still uh, lots to get excited about if uh, if you're following the team in the nation's capital. All right, Ross, always a pleasure. Thanks so much for joining us today. All right, thanks, Gil. And today's episode is also brought to you by your friends at BetOnline. BetOnline.net is your number one source for all your sports betting needs and info. Find all the latest sports developments, including this week's Masters Championships odds, podcasts, and reviews for all the different leagues this season. BetOnline is your continued source for all your sports wagering information, including live betting, esports, and scores, and pretty much any NHL props you could imagine. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and action. Bet online where the game starts. And welcome back to the Locked On NHL podcast. Gil Martin, glad to be with you here on the Monday edition. And thank you for making Locked On NHL your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms. Right now, it's my pleasure to welcome back to the show from Locked On Anaheim Ducks, Jason Hernandez. And Jason, uh, to say it was an eventful weekend for the Ducks may be a little bit of an <laughs> understatement, uh, especially yeah. the game against the Coyotes earlier this weekend. Uh, let's start with the good stuff. Another impressive uh, lacrosse-style goal for Trevor Zegras. Oh, yeah. uh, talk a little bit about that and where he's at in his development, because you know, if you were to do the best goals of this season, he'd be a repeat, uh, you know, he'd make repeat appearances in that. He has all three, all yeah. three of the best goals this season. The lacrosse in Montreal, the lacrosse in Arizona, and the alley-oop, flying Z, whatever you want to call it, and everyone has a different name for it, that would be on top with Cine Milano. So those three alone are worthy of the best goals of the year, in my opinion. He's going to get one of them. If he's not one, two, three on the best goals of the year on NHL Network, then something's wrong. Unbelievable talent, unbelievable skill. Where is he, though, in his overall game? I mean, highlight real goals are one thing. Is he learning what to do without the puck? Is he learning the other aspects of the game at this point? I would say because 
this is going to be a little controversial because of Dallas Eakins. He's not as far as I would like him to be. Recently, Zegers was playing on a line with Sonny Milano and dot, 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 Derek Grant. Now, the thing about that, Trevor Zegers is trying to play center, right? And what's one thing that centers do on their line? They take faceoffs, right? And they play that center position. When you have a line with Milano and Derek Grant, who's also a center, and Dallas Eakins chooses to put Derek Grant in the faceoff circle and have Derek Grant play that center position, all of a sudden you're playing Zegris off wing. Not his natural position that he's been trying to play almost all season. So that stunted his development a little bit. You know, still maybe not as much anymore, but as soon as two and a half months ago, there were still times where he was getting benched for no good reason, which is why I think Zegris could be further along if there was someone else there, which there could be by this time next season, or really, really in a matter of a month. Yeah, that's going to be an interesting thing to see uh, the future of the coaching staff there in Anaheim. And then, of course, later in the game, uh, all heck breaks loose and, what happened? I mean, just just for those of our listeners and viewers who didn't see it, what the heck happened? Jay Beagle is a piece of you-know-what. I'm going to keep it PG here. So what happened was Trevor Zegris, yeah, he got involved in this. He was trying to poke at a loose puck, and Zegris was adamant in saying the puck was loose. And from one angle, yes, the puck was still loose. And here comes Jay Beagle, public enemy number one, cross-checking Zegris in the back. Zegris falls down. I mean, when you get cross-checked in the back like that on the numbers, yeah, you're going to fall. And then in comes Troy Terry to come to Zegris's defense, which is what a future captain, You, yeah, I'm saying this, what a future captain or assistant captain should be doing. And then what happens? Jay Beagle absolutely pummels the crap out of Troy Terry, who is a star in his own right. And, you know, far be it for the NHL to protect their star players. What, Troy Terry isn't enough of a star player to you? Apparently not, because Jay Beagle sucker punched Troy Terry multiple times, leaving Troy Terry with a pretty gnarly facial injury. So that's what happened on the ice. Now, off the ice, that was a totally different thing. Zegris got interviewed after the game. And he said, quote, you don't punch a guy when he's down, especially a 32 goal scorer in the NHL who was a superstar. He later went on to say, it's humiliating. And pardon my French, I think he should be effing punished. That's what Zegras said. Was Jay Beagle punished? Nope, absolutely not. Jay Beagle got no disciplinary action whatsoever, nothing. So it it's kind of a middle finger to some of those highly skilled players. What can the league do? I mean, now they're not obviously not going to do anything in this incident, but you know, what can the league do? Or do you think there was something that the players on the ice could have done differently to protect Troy Terry? Um, I don't know about the players on the ice because normally players should be policing themselves. And I mean, yes, you had Cam Fowler and Troy Terry come to the defense of Trevor Zegris, which is, what you normally do. But then when you have Jay Beagle sucker punching, I don't know what else the players on the ice could do. This should come down to NHL player safety, trying to get stuff like that out of the league. 
and for them to give no punishment whatsoever, it's a bad look. And I can understand why Ducks fans would be super pissed off. And they have every right to be. They have every right to be pissed off. Because, you know, we always ask who are some of the most skilled players in the league. And Trevor Zegras is up there. Troy Terry, he's climbing up there as far as skilled players. And one of our former colleagues, Nolan Bianchi, um, he put out a tweet. And that was the senseless commentary from the Arizona Coyotes where this was said, quote, that's the problem with these young players. You want to embarrass guys? You want to skill it up? You better be prepared to get punched in the mouth. No, you do not say that. If you want to skill it up, yeah, that's where the NHL should be. We should be showcasing the best skilled players in the league. And for you to say that, that's embarrassing. That's ridiculous. It should not have been said. Not at all. It's, well, it's an absolute joke. What was more of a joke was the Arizona Coyotes. They're a joke in several ways. If Trevor Zegras and Troy Terry are embarrassing the you-know-what out of you, that's a team problem. You get outscored five to nothing in that fashion. And if you don't like the Michigan, you know, guard him. Don't lose him behind the net. You know, maybe do some kind of back checking. You know, don't just illegally get the guy in the back because he skilled it up. That's wrong. Yeah, it, it, it's a tough one. And I, I looked at the schedule. The Coyotes do not face the Ducks again this season. Um which may be a good thing for the game of hockey, all things considered. I mean, obviously, on Sunday, the Ducks didn't seem to have a lot in the tank. Uh, maybe this incident on Friday took something out of their sails. They lose to Edmonton 6-1. to one. You talked about the coaching staff. How likely is it that we see a change in the head coaching ranks in Anaheim at the end of the season? Considering there was a survey out, on the athletic about who the coach should be next season. And I know a lot of fans are already looking ahead at to who's going to be the next coach. I've, I've literally got like a list here. Like I got like post-it notes about <laughs> who should be the next coach. I've been doing my homework already. Yes. I know there's 11 games left in the Dallas Eakins era, but I'm already looking at candidates for the next coach. So I would say the likelihood of him coming back are slim to none, and Slim is leaving the building. <laughs> oh, boy. Well, I'm sure it's going to be an interesting stretch drive as far as Dallas Eakins is concerned and Trevor Zegras. Jason, why don't you tell our listeners and our viewers where they can find the podcast and where they can find you on social media, and it's always interesting what you post on social media. Ooh, lately especially. So yes. my personal Twitter is at StimpyJD, which is not hockey today because I'm angry. <laughs> and... <laughs> I'm also angry a little bit on the Locked On Ducks Twitter, which is at LO underscore Ducks, where I have a ton more thoughts on what happened on Friday. And even more so, I have a lot more thoughts on Tyson Nash and him doubling down on what he said. So I'll definitely sound off on Monday's episode of Locked On Anaheim Ducks, which can be found wherever podcasts are found. All right, Jason, thanks so much for joining us. And hopefully next time it'll be under better circumstances. Yeah. Curse you, NHL player safety.
All right, that's going to do it for this episode of the Locked On NHL podcast. I want to thank my guests, Armando Velez of Locked On Florida Panthers, Ross Levitan from Locked On Ottawa Senators, and Jason Hernandez of Locked On Anaheim Ducks for joining us and discussing all the biggest stories from around the NHL this weekend. Thanks again for making Locked On NHL your first listen every day. Now make your second listen, Locked On Fantasy Hockey. Host Steel Roden and Flip Livingstone help you become the expert of your fantasy league. It's free and available wherever you get podcasts. I'm Gil Martin. Thanks for joining me today. I'll be back Friday when I co-host the Friday edition of the podcast along with Rachel Donner. Have a great week, everybody. We'll be back tomorrow with more great coverage of the NHL right here on the Locked On NHL Podcast.